Hello and welcome back to another episode of AB Side uh, with me, Ben and Ansi. Hey guys, it's us again. It's only us two tonight. It is, yeah. We will have special guests in the future,、uh, but not today. Woo.、Um, so, did you get any feedback, Ben? I got no feedback. I had some feedback.、Um, well, I had a question that came about、um, basically. It was from one of our listeners from London. And she asked, Are Chinese people particularly racist? Ben, do you well, think pe- Chinese people are racist? Let me weigh in on that. Honestly, I was thinking about.、Um, I feel like people in our church say that a lot that Chinese people are racist. And I've always kind of、uh, heard that as kind of a, a bit of a joke. But actually, if it was like white people saying, oh yeah, white people are racist, that, that's not really a joke. So,、um, yeah, I mean, I, perhaps I haven't thought about it seriously enough because I always thought it was a joke when I've heard it mentioned. Is that, was that the case? What do you think?、Um, we, gen-、uh, we joke. So, sure, we joke, but we actually mean it. We can be quite racist. Like, the. the It's because you can't quite understand the language. So, if you can understand the language, the labels that they put for different races is quite like derogatory terms. Oh, yeah, I saw you post something about that. Oh, no, that was、um, translations to have conversations with your parents. That's, side, that's like separate completely.、Um, but it's, it's like, so you know the term for yourself, right? What do people call you, like Chinese people? Guai Lo, is that right? Yes, Guai Lo. And do you know、yeah. what that means? Ghost, ghost man, ghost thing. Yeah, ghost man. Okay. And there's a similar term for other races. You know, you've got like for Indians, they call it,、um, I forget. So, <laughs> so, you know how like in Ta Su, there's the word Ta. And so when they say Ta Guai, that means.、Um, Uh, is, uh, is this bad that I'm? T- I feel like I'm teaching you guys. This is really bad. I mean, I'm not going to be using this. So and、okay. so that means for、um, Indians. And then, you know, you've got the black ghost, which is for black then.、Um, but it's all quite, what's the word? It's just not very nice to call them ghosts. And, and what are we then, Chinese people? Are we not ghosts? Or like, what's the deal there? And so I think it's just, you know, you're elevating your own. Um, ethnicity above everyone else's. And so, yeah, we are. I admit that we are.、Um, do you challenge that? I do. I do.、Uh, Chinese people are particularly racist towards our own kind as well. I think、um, so, older generation, they do have issues with、uh, biracial marriages.、Um, and then you've got. You know, Chinese people racist towards their own kind. I experienced racism、um, by another Chinese person. I got rejected a job because they thought on the phone I was、um, a Westerner because、um, I was teaching English. Show up to the interview, and then they like, they said, Oh, sorry,、um, I don't think this job is for you. We thought you were white faced. And I, and I, in my head, I'm like, Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know my place.、Um, I know that I can teach English overseas, but I guess for a lot of people, they just assume that if you're from a foreign country teaching English, then you should be of a foreign face. So that was interesting.、Um, yeah, that kind of、so, yeah. sucks, though. 
yeah, to be discriminated against and not even had a chance to get a job. But um, but yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah. So yes, to answer that question, yes, Chinese people are particularly racist. You just don't know about it <laughs> unless you are Chinese and you understand the language and the culture. Is there anything that we can do about it? I think it's it is to learn the correct terms. So yeah, what I posted on social media was a direct translation. How to have these conversations with, you know, people of the older generation or people that are really racist in Cantonese. Um, so I think it's important to still dialogue and get some understanding. Um, yeah, it's quite common for family members to. Um, disregards mixed race marriages, especially if you were Chinese and you married a black guy or you married a, an Indian guy or something. Mm. Like that is quite rare, and they have probably experienced a lot of internal racism within their families because of that. Like I had a friend who her uh, Vietnamese parents like made her split up with her boyfriend who was black. And um, yeah, it was just really sad that you know that relationship had to end based on um, the family threatening her, and um, yeah, yeah, that's really tough. Yeah, it is really tough. But um, this is the world we live in. Broken. There were other comments as well. Um, so this one came from another listener from London as well. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of people. Um, across the UK that listened to the show. This girl, she said she really enjoyed the way that Bert spoke about it from a Christian lens. With so much that's going on, it's hard to keep in mind that as a Christian, we all have a role to play in this fight too. But um, she says, I think it would it would be lovely to hear, you know, what it means for Christians practically. Maybe, um, yeah, is it okay for Christians to join in the protests? Um, is it right for Christians to push back on what our governmental authorities tell us to do? Things like that. So what do you think, Ben? Is it right for, for Christians to join the protests? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, we could do a whole episode, another episode on uh, on what's been happening uh, around around the, the protests and stuff, can we? But yeah, I, I, I think that's okay. Um, I mean, it's, uh, particularly from a British context, we're not seeing any political or um, institutional opposition to to protests. I'm, I'm, mm. I don't think uh, mm. so. So yeah, I think I think everything pretty much in the UK has been peaceful. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, I don't I don't see a problem with it at all. What do you think? Yeah, I'm in agreement. Um, genuinely, I think what we see in the media. It's usually going to be the extreme cases, right? Whenever you see like breakouts in protests, it's always going to be the like the the really extreme cases, and that's what we call um, sensationalism, where the media will blow up um, all the negative press because news is going to be reporting on bad news, right? Um, unless, of course, you know you have like a protest in Hong Kong that where where was it? How many millions? Two million? Four million? I forget the number. It was a lot on a Sunday afternoon um, in, I think, last year. Um, and that was peaceful. But the breakouts tend to happen after, like, evening, um, the curfew time. And that's where 
Yeah. That's in America, though, right? That's in America. Same in Hong Kong. Same in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um. So I think it's yeah. It it's a it's quite a strange one, really, isn't it? Because on one hand, you know, you know, it's it's safe to go to a peaceful protest, but then there is a chance of it breaking out into riots and like looting and and all sorts of drama. Um. And I think it it can be. I think it's hard on family members as well to know that oh my daughter is out there and she got attacked um but but i think as christians we are told to you know stand up for the oppressed um and do something about it yeah we have we do definitely have it better in this country though which i'm thankful for yeah um and that's not to say that we don't have our share of yeah, problems or I know, racism I know. Uh, but at least yes. our police force is um less heavy-handed i guess do we have any more feedback that's it now uh, other than um everyone really enjoyed last week's show on race it's such a hot topic right now but um yeah we'd love to hear more of your thoughts um one lister said oh i would actually send this podcast episode to my non-christian friends and i'm like whoa okay <laughs> that's good cool. do it yeah we, uh, we'd love to, yeah, we'd love to expand our audience and have more um, diverse listeners and diverse questions. Is it because Bert was in it, do you think? <laughs> the voice of all reason, the wise one. I don't know, let's, let's ask our listeners, they can, they can tell us. <laughs> he is a lot older than us, so he has lived longer than us. That's true. You know, I would just one more thing on, on, the, uh, on last week's episode. I think it's really interesting hearing, like, Bert's experience growing up in a... Um, in a, an area where there was a lot of Chinese people versus your experience growing up in Wales um, and just the difference of how you experienced racism growing up and how you experienced being Chinese. Yes. I just thought that was, that was a really interesting thing that I hadn't considered in regards to you two. But it's the same with a lot of BBCs though, right? A lot of yeah, BBCs well, I, have yeah. similar experiences with me. But not everyone does. Not and everyone does. Yeah, and I think it... it the environment obviously has a, yep. a a huge impact. Definitely. And it depends where you live as well, what school you go to. Um, so I admit that my primary school education was, you know, they were all very upper to middle class, um, very white. But when I went to high school, my um, first two years of high school, I went to a really, really rough school. And there was a lot, a lot of racism because of, um, yeah, just kids living in poverty, uh, you know, they were on the benefit system. That was the first time I got exposed to like, oh, how come you don't pay for your lunch? And and they're like, oh, yeah, we just have a voucher. We have free school meals. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? You know, but I learned a lot through the two years in that first high school that I went to um, with, you know, different um, people of background, different backgrounds um, that, that actually I am quite privileged to to have cash to buy my own food. Um, but that was also a place where I got seriously bullied. Yeah. Hence why I left. But, um, but that's another story for another day. If you're yeah. interested, you can ask me all about it. There was racism there. Anyway, yeah, let's move on. So, Ansi, today... Um, I wanted to start just by asking you a couple of questions. Are you trusting of authority? 
do you think? Depends what type of authority. Um, yeah, so, okay, so I'm thinking, like, large-scale, like, are you trusting of, say, uh, the intentions of of our government in handling coronavirus, say, or d- listening to a policeman's authority, or just, like, politicians in general? So, like, the, the, the governors of our of our society, do you, do you generally trust them, or do you think you're more sceptical? I think I probably trust them more than I would of other foreign governments. Right. Uh, and if, if the government tells you to do something, or a policeman, you, you'll do it? I would follow it, yes. To a degree, to a degree. As long as it's not, like, really, really bad. Yeah, and I, I think I'm generally the same. That's my default position. Although yeah, that's I'm how we were skeptical. raised, right? Yeah. We were raised to respect authority because we ha- they haven't lost our authority uh, our, our respect have they right yeah the, yeah yeah so i'm quite skeptical of certain political things but generally i'm i'm quite um, trusting of authority what about um like popular popular trends do you do you do you think you're a trend follower or a trendsetter <laughs> depends <laughs> um it depends what though give me an example uh, would would you go along with uh, like like some social media challenge or um, that kind of thing? Assuming as it's not. Stupid. Oh, it depends what type of challenge. I would do a lot of research into the challenge, though. Like you did, you did five for five, didn't you? Run five miles, tag five people, donate, donate ad- five pounds. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that, that's a good example. Hmm. Do you kind of? Do you follow those? Not always. Do you do those things? Do you repost when it says, like, repost to your five friends about who you're most um, thankful for in your life? Not really. Or I'm no. doing the, I'm doing the, uh, the, what did I see the other day? My, my top 10 influential footballers who have shaped my view of the great game. I'm doing this challenge for the next 10 days. Do you do that kind of stuff? No. People tag me and I just ignore it. Okay. Partly because I just don't, I don't want to be doing something for the sake of approval. Right. I I want to be doing something where I genuinely mean it, not because I've been tagged. That so that's just that's just my own opinion. So like, ice bucket challenge, they challenged me. I didn't bother. Okay. Loads of people tagged me because they thought it'd be hilarious to tag Anzi. Um. Some people tagged me on like recipe exchanges, like loads of those things. And I'm just like, no, no. <laughs> post five, no, post 10 pictures for the next 10 days without, um, you know, explaining what it is yeah, yeah, yeah. in black and white. And I'm like, no, yeah. why would I do that? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the point of this? Yeah. The point of that, those ones are like to fill up social media, aren't they? Anyway. All right. So, so we're in the same. Um, same category then I think we we trust that authority is gonna like be trustworthy but also for social media and um, like peer pressure it kind of seems like we're less likely to to follow along just because everyone else is doing it but I know that there are some causes that I would be happy to share like I would do a lot of research and do a lot of like looking into things in order to share something like I 
I do basically go through a screening process. Like, is this worth me sharing? Is this going to be beneficial for um, the people that I'm friends with on social media? Or is this going to, like, is it just for self-glorification? Or is it building um, people up? And things like that. So I... I, sh- I actually share a lot more than you do, though, Ben. You never share. You're a lurker. Um, oh, right. Just generally posting yeah. stuff. Yeah, you hardly post things. I think probably if you look through my social media, a lot of the posts are like reposts, but yeah. uh, not that kind of, yeah. But generally, uh, I, I feel like I, I post a fair amount compared to you, but then I, I do go through a screening process of that, checking right. through. Yeah. Okay, so the reason I'm asking those questions is um, I was thinking about, like, the... This isn't another show about racism, um, but I was thinking about the response to um, to George Floyd and the way that people are, are angry about police brutality and they want change to happen. And so we're seeing these protests and we're seeing things get taken over in social media mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. And it led me on a, on a thought process into kind of social justice in a wider scale than, than just the, the particular social injustice that, that we're seeing at the minute. And I started thinking, like, what, what makes us passive um, with these issues that we see as Christians where we know that there is injustice, but we are not taking any action to address? So why are we not being active? Uh, and what makes us passive? I think that the reason why people are passive is because they either don't know, they don't feel strongly about it, to the point that they will do something about it. Um, it doesn't affect them. It doesn't, like, it's none of, they feel like it's, yeah, it just doesn't affect them completely. Why would they do something about it, right? Right, but we are told to do something about it. Yeah, but it's it's not it doesn't doesn't affect their family, doesn't it? Mm. It's not it's not one of their family members, right? They're so detached from it. I know we're told, and they know that they're told, but they just I I don't know why they do it. Like why are they so passive? Right, so that's what I wanted to explore. So I have some some more thoughts, but um, yeah, just let's start with the Bible verse. Um, the one that Yay, comes to mind for me. Bible yep. time. <laughs> yeah, we're starting starting with some um, biblical with some scripture foundation. today instead of finishing with it. Uh, so Micah six eight. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Love that verse. Uh, and we've heard that verse loads, haven't we? We, Absolutely. We know. And actually, when we were planning this episode, we were saying, "Oh, you know, like." Have we even got anything to say on this? Because we've preached on this topic so many times. And preached um, to death, Ben. We have. But yet when I look at my own life and when I look at uh, the lives of my friends, it, it, it seems like we can be doing a turn more, like with our time, with our money, with our energy. And it, it kind of seems like it's not enough for us to just sit and be passive. And so I asked that question about, like, do we trust the government? And um, the first thing that I jotted down uh, when I thought about why am I not helping 
with these issues? Uh, why am I not helping with homelessness or the refugee crisis or Black Lives Matter or whatever? The first thing that I wrote down was um, that it, I tell myself that I'm not needed. Mm. Like, like, I don't need to do anything because the government knows about homelessness. Surely they are doing all that they can to fix it. Mm. And so there's, there's that. There's that default kind of position that we that we switch to, where we just say, "Oh, you know what? I I've spotted a problem, but surely the the people more with more power than me have also spotted that problem, and they're aware of it, and there must be some reason." Because they think that this is just a small drop in the big ocean, like they're not gonna, it's not gonna make a big impact, right? Yeah. Which I think is a bad mentality to have because actually every little does certainly help. If one person does it, sure, it doesn't matter. But if millions of people are active, you can create a tsunami. Hmm. Yeah. It's hard though, isn't it? Like people remember um, a few months ago before, before this, this pandemic, uh, people were talking about Jeff Bezos, the the CEO of Amazon. Yeah. And um and they were saying like he has so much money, he could just mm. chuck some money at at poverty or like illness like malaria or whatever. And he could just abolish it and it wouldn't even like he wouldn't even notice it, that his bank balance had had gone down by that much. <laughs> yeah. And so it's easy for us to just transfer the responsibility onto someone with more power or more ability to affect change, I guess. I just think it's a case of the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. And then the people that are affected are the people that are in the middle. Um, like, they're trying to do something about it. But unfortunately, there's only so much that they can do. I don't know. Is that enough? I mean, we can sit here and say, oh, yeah, well, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not a billionaire. Mm-hmm. I'm not a trillionaire. So therefore, I can't, I can't help. But, like, I can look at, at people who live on my street and notice that they're in a worse financial situation than me. How do and, you know that, though? You know, like, you, you can what, make assumptions. You're just, judging, or like, you're just judging it because, you know, of their bad car or... No. <laughs> hey, don't talk to me about bad cars. <laughs> I'm going to have to sell that, you know. I think it's dying. I think it's dead. I'm sure you can get some money for the scrap metal. Anyway. Um, yeah, or, you know, like, you, you, we're aware of situations, right? Like, we're aware that, that, there, that there are people who are needier than us. Even as we sit here and we record this podcast on our computers with our microphones, right? Not, not everyone <laughs> has that. Um, yes, not everyone has these things. Um, not everyone can afford these things. Thankfully, my computer was a gift. My microphone was a gift. <laughs> okay, all right, but you get what I'm saying, though. Yeah, right? like, I, know. I know. There is, um, yeah, we are we are in a more privileged position than everyone. It, you can't. Well, you can't always. You can't always assume that people aren't generous with their money, though. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying people aren't generous with their money. I'm just saying it doesn't feel like it's it's enough for us to say, oh yeah, well, you know, like we're we're not rich either, so we can't help. Um, so we are quite privileged. I I know that. Um, and I think 
what God tells us to do is to still care for the orphans and the widows and for those that aren't, um, you know, in a, they're in a really bad position. Um, like even when you think about the book of Ruth, how um, people, when they were farming, they would leave the scraps for um, people like Ruth to go and glean from and, and get, um, you know, the extra droppings from. And I thought that was really good for, um, yeah, just just God just to tell the um, Jewish people to do that, to, to ensure that the people who are more vulnerable um, and poor to still be able to get food. And I think that's the same thing with us today. Like, there is a need for food banks. Why is there a need for food banks? It's because, you know, the government aren't providing for them. That's why they have to turn to food banks. And more and more people are relying on food banks nowadays. Even Absolutely. like people from the middle class that have lost jobs. Yeah, I mean, the, not only the fact that, that we've got access to technology or like we, you know, we can afford whatever luxuries we want but actually that that at least me and you are sitting here and we we've still got our jobs and like mm -hmm. we haven't we haven't been financially affected by Absolutely. by this crisis but that's not the case for for millions of people um so there is stuff that's happening all the time and it like yeah it it frustrates me that i have that much trust in in institutions that they're just going to be able to um tackle they're going to care or they're going to tackle the problem with enough um resources or with enough manpower i think it's hard though ben because we can't on, on one hand you, we are told to submit to the authorities right the bible does say you need to pray for um those that are in the government and leadership and submit to their authority but on the other hand we know that they can be quite corrupt and they, you know, some of us believe that they are liars um, and they don't, they, they don't go through with what they promised. Um, but we also need to remember that we do live in a fallen world and you can't solely put all your faith and trust in one, one institution. Yeah. So... If anything, we're told to put all our faith and trust in, in God. Yeah, and it's not like the authorities are saying, don't help poor people. It's just that it's just they're saying, like, we don't care enough to, to correct the system that, that's broken at the minute. It doesn't mean that we can't. So the second question that I asked you, like, are you a trendsetter? Um, I asked that because... Uh, the next thing that I wrote down when I thought about my own barriers to to being more active in social justice uh, is the the thought that it's not appropriate for me, for Ben, to to be speaking out about that thing. Why? Um, so this is this is obviously this is this is just my own stupid internal monologue. This isn't what I actually believe, but it's what I tell myself. Are you insecure um, about that you're not that important or something? No, it's it's more that um, like the peer pressure of nobody else doing anything kind of makes me think, oh, well, there must be a reason why nobody else is is doing this. You know, you might hear people might talk about homelessness. Oh, don't give money to homeless people because they're all drug addicts. 
Um, and so you, I might be going, oh yeah, like I'll be nice and generous with my money. And then somebody be like, don't do that. That person's just going to spend it on drugs. Um, and, and so there's that thread in my mind that, that says, oh, maybe there's a reason I like, I feel like I want to help the refugees, um, in the Middle East. You can. But then there's this, there's this, there's this other voice in my head that says, uh, oh yeah, but there's a reason that that some people... I guess I'm fearing what other people will think of me. Because because you need to remember, right? On one hand, you see someone on the street, you want to help them out. But on the other hand, there are legit charities out there that are helping them. And they have, you know, the correct methods of doing things and um, ensuring that the people on the streets manage to get off the streets oh totally these are like social justice problems are all complex problems otherwise they would have just been fixed yeah exactly so they're definitely more complex than just like go and and give out money but um yeah there's just that or there's that there's that um there's that view of myself as like i'm not an expert in this i can't um i can't do anything that the experts can't do uh, or like, what will people think of me if I start speaking out about about that? Why? What? What will they? What will? They, I don't know what it is. It's it's silly, but um, it's definitely there. Do you experience that, or is that just me? Um. So I think that. So okay, there was one time I was walking down the street uh, with a friend, and someone stops us, um, and. And I think that it's it's tricky because they're asking for money and my friend assumes that I would be the type to give money. Um, but actually, you know, I know for a fact that I'm not going to directly give it to them. I would be the type of person to go and buy them a sandwich, go and buy them a hot drink and then come back with it as opposed to give them direct cash because you don't know what they're going to do with the cash. But with the food, there's only one thing that they can do with the food is to eat it. Um, and that is nourishment and that is necessary but money is also necessary but will they use it for you know the necessary things that they need which is food or drink or a place to stay or is that going to feed into their addictions and so um, it's always interesting because on one hand you know yeah someone will judge you for your lack of inaction lack of action or um your choice of doing the food thing um but but i i always try to remember that actually we shouldn't be fearful of those around us we we should remember that actually god is the ultimate judge god knows our actions god knows our hearts and we need to constantly be evaluating our hearts especially when it comes to things like this um and it's hard because many times, you know, we want to turn a blind eye. We want to turn the other way, um, avoid. Um, but it's, it's hard. I've got to admit, it's hard. I had um, someone in my life group uh, a, 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 quite a while ago um, said that uh, his, his old pastor used to say, oh, if, you feel, if you're in that situation um, and you feel kind of either prompted to to help out or um you you just feel compassionate or whatever um but you also have concerns about that kind of thing 
you have to make the um, commitment that you are going to go and donate some money uh, to like a, a an organization who's going to help with like St. Basil's in mm-hmm. Birmingham, mm-hmm. who's going to help directly with, with homelessness. And I thought that was really cool because um, I don't carry cash around with me most of the time. Yeah, true. Um, and so it's it's easy for me to say, oh, sorry, I haven't got any money on me and, and I'm not lying. I haven't. Um, but that's why you can go to the shops. You can just do right, contact yeah. less and buy yeah, something. It's also a convenient way, way for oh. me to say, to kind of say I'm too busy for this, right? Like I'm, mm. I'm trying to do something else. Um, and so actually having that, that um, commitment to do something, even if it's not, um, not immediate, kind of removes some of that social pressure and that, that the questions that, that we might have about, is this a wise thing to do? It's hard because on one hand you want to help them, but it's giving them more food, help encouraging them to stay on the streets. And we don't know. I mean, yeah, actually, the know. thing to do here is is to to get alongside people and to to understand their story. But that requires um, more than just a couple of pounds, doesn't it? I think I think it's a it's actually the charities, the charity workers have invested so much of their time and energy to getting to know the people on the streets so they would know their backstories. They would know, like, how to help. And I think that's why I'm all for supporting those charities. Totally. It's interesting, Ben, um, (laughs) because your wife wanted to set up a food bank collection and she she approached you about it and, and she told me that you just were so blank faced and you were just like non-responsive about it. You weren't that excited like her. <laughs> yeah. Why is um, that? Oh, she's going to listen to this. Well, she um, shared it with our life group. Yeah. And then she was like, all I want is just for like some confirmation that I should go through with it. And we're like, yes, you should do it. We were all cheering her on and like, you know, because that's what she just needs like a bit of support to know that she's doing the right thing and i just just laughed because yeah <laughs> well i mean yes mandy i'm speaking to you directly uh yeah that is the right thing um it's awesome keep doing it uh we had a load of donations this week it's i great. heard well i saw saw pictures yeah um the reason maybe that i was i was um not that enthusiastic about it was not because it's not the right thing to do double negative um <laughs> It's, it's because of what I just said about the idea that, you know, other people are going to take care of it. It's not, that's not like an, an active thought that I have, but... Um, you just assume everyone else is going to take care of it, therefore you don't have to bother. Yeah, and the assumption, I'm really bad at making assumptions about what other people are going to do and then using that as a justification for doing stuff or not doing stuff. Um, I guess I was thinking, you know, like... If the people on our street care enough about people um, who are using food banks, then they can go and donate themselves. Like they can, they can leave. They have those donation buckets at supermarkets. They do, but that's obviously not like the people have many reasons, different barriers. They might just need to be asked, I guess. Um, mm. So yeah. So uh, sorry for not supporting you more, Mandy. Um, it's a great idea. Let's keep doing it. Yeah. So um, something that uh, came up while I was thinking about that, that idea of I don't want to, I, well, not I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it because 
uh, somebody else must be handling it surely um, is something that you love to talk about uh, is this thing called the bystander effect mm-hmm. yeah can you tell us what it is basically one time I did use it in a sermon illustration and it was um, about the murder of once? Uh, I feel like I've heard you talk about it loads really yeah like when I wrote this down I was like oh, this is Auntie's thing <laughs> So there was a case of the murder of um, Kitty Genovese um, and it was in Queens, New York City and she got murdered um, in the middle of the night. She was um, nearly on the way home from work and um, someone attacked her. A man stabbed her and she was screaming and screaming for help. Um, had she have gotten some help, some like um, she would have survived but the fact was, was that, um, yeah, turns out two weeks after the murder there were actually 38 witnesses that saw or heard the attack but none of them called the police or came to her help because they all assumed that someone else would do it when there's loads of people around you just assume someone else will do it but if there's only one person they might help if there's two people you just assume that the other person's going to help so I think that this is all part of um, the psychology of groups. Um, and and it's just the assumption that another person's going to do it. Another person's going to, you know, call the police. Another person. So a way to rectify that, um, just to cut straight to the chase, is to actually say, you, call the police. You, um, go get help. You, give me um, your scarf so I can press on this wound, you know, just to soak up all the blood and things like that. So you have to delegate. Someone has to delegate. Even if it's the person who is dying, can you call the police? Um, That's still delegation. And I think that's necessary. But um, many times, if we're not told to do something, we'll just stand there and assume someone else will do it. Especially the passive people. Unless you are, your character is the type of person to be a leader and to take initiative and be active. Can you give examples of how you are more active um, not than me, and it's not a competition, but how you are being active. So I think when it boils down to it, Ben, right, I also realized that I have a lot more free time compared to you to do these things. I have, I have more free time to, you know, um, speak, speak up and be like, guys, we need to do a food collection for food bank. Um, we need to do X, Y, Z. We need to like do a lot more promotion um for these charities whereas i understand from you you you're a family man you have you have to tend to your kids and your wife and and so i feel like your life stage is different compared to mine that might be true but um it kind of feels like a bit of a cop out f- from my point of view it doesn't ex- yeah it doesn't ex- it shouldn't be an excuse for you to to not do those things um, but I, I can see it from that perspective where I do have a lot more time. I can see that, you know, my single friends have a lot more time to volunteer and help out physically at food bank warehouse, you know, and help distribute food. Um, but, but I also know that many times I'm not, I'm not targeting you guys. Who's you guys? Family members, family, people with families and kids. They might hide behind their kids and not have time to do, you know, be part of these charities and volunteer for these services. Not, not all, okay? I understand that there are some parents that do help. 
and some some grandparents too. But when you have young children, I understand that you are super busy. You are super tired. You're not even thinking about, you know, helping in 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 times like you know, for f- people that need help. On one hand, I appreciate you saying that, but on the other hand, I'm like, what would Jesus say if I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to help out. I wanted to help those people in need, but I had to I had to look after my child. I had to change like, his nappy. Change, change his nappy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not not a it's not really the um message that Jesus kind of was going for, is it? But it's, what's interesting, Ben, is that actually, for a single person, I don't understand the parent struggle. But you, as a parent, you will understand what single parents might be struggling with. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah. Like, if you think that you have it hard, you will probably be able to feel how a single parent feels. I won't be able to feel that as much. I remember, like, I don't know, probably three weeks after after my first child, Sophie was born. I remember going back to school and um, and saying to my class, like, I have so much respect for single parents now <laughs> uh, because there we go. It's so hard when you have an ally when it's two against one. Right, exactly. How much more hard is it is it going to be when you're one person you're and you're earning? And that's something that I hadn't thought about before. Um, mm. And it it really opened my eyes to. You know, it's it's a completely different struggle. Like, however hard I might say parenting is, at least I've got somebody else that I can reach out to for support and for um, Take advice. Take it in turns and, to, to wake yeah. up because, you know, your child's woken up at five. Yeah, and it's not just the physical, it's not just the, um, like the practical things, like one person can do the washing up while the other one's playing with them. It's it's the the fact that, that you've got someone, an ally with you, even if, even if you're doing hard work all the time, um, you know that you're not the only person uh, who's got that responsibility. So, um, so yeah, so I have. You have that insight. And I feel like you could, you could use that insight to go further, to help with, you know, um, helping with uh, people that are vulnerable, people that need help and support. Yeah. Um, but how come you're not? I mean, on the, <laughs> I've never, I've never thought. Not to about... say, guys, guys. Also, it's not to say that I'm perfect. You know, there are times where I could technically help out with food bank. I mean, I've never thought about like, is there a way that you can help single parents specifically, um, rather than like particular single parents that that I might know? Um, like, is there a thing to do i don't know that's never entered my head and genuinely i don't know how i would start which is one of the barriers i think to 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 helping but then i guess that would be the detour intervention type thing go and look for something yeah go and look for something there are charities supporting them okay so um last question last section what particular injustice um is on your heart what what area of social justice um, do you feel like God wants you to to take action in? So right now our church is going through um, the persecuted church and I think that's quite a big one to get into and because there are quite a lot of Christians out there that are um, struggling and suffering. Um, on top of that, I also know that there are missionaries out there that are very lonely 
Um, and yeah, they do send prayer letters, but we may not always respond. Um, so I think they do spend a lot of time reporting the work that they do out on the field. And it's important to still remember them and pray for them. And not just that is to maintain that contact with them, not just to throw money at them, um, but to maintain that contact um, and build, uh, continue that relationship. That's why, you know, missionaries over a period of time, they will come back home and they reconnect um, for home assignment. Um, but I, so that's the Christian element. Um, and I also know that, you know, there's a lot happening now with the protests and speaking up for injustice and, um, yeah. But it's also, yeah, learning and, um, having the conversations with people, um, that can be uncomfortable, but I think we do need to be humble and, um, have these conversations. It's interesting because, um, your sister, posted on her social media i'm reading this book does anyone want to join a book club with me for discussion and i'm like me and i've <laughs> i've joined and i looked at all the all the profile pictures of other people that joined and i'm the only person of color in there <laughs> is that surprising what's just for the benefit of our listeners what's the topic <laughs> me and my white supremacy <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's that particularly surprising. It's a book about yeah, I know. people confronting I their know. white prejudice. And I think that it's important to still have those conversations um, and just to continue asking other people, oh, what charities do you support? Um, I have a friend who is a Patreon for um, the Bible Project. Um, um, there's also other charities that you could support, um, Christian organizations like, I don't know, um, is it the Bible Bible or Bible Society. The Bible Society. Yeah. yeah, Bible Society. That's also a good one to support. Um, Tear Fund are very good at, um, you know, um, ensuring that money is spent appropriately. I know friends that work for Tear Fund. Um, there's missionaries that you can always support. Yeah, so. Okay, so how can we help the persecuted church? I think... One big way is to keep supporting them in prayer. I know that's really passive and I know that's really, um, you know, quite, uh, what's the word? D detached. You're very detached from it. But actually, we all pray to the same God, right? Well, this is this is the thing. If you are praying for someone... It means that you care enough about them to, like, devote your time. attention, hmm. yeah, and your time to. It means that you're thinking about what's what's happening in their lives. If you if you genuinely mean it, you would do your research, right? And you would find out what this pastor from China has written from this blog post, um, how to pray for Wuhan. Like, I shared a prayer request from a pastor from Wuhan during the height of their pen, you know, when, when they were a hotspot like months ago. And, um, and I shared it on Facebook and that was really helpful for many people because we all don't know how to pray for the church there mm. unless there's an insider informing us. Yeah. I think if you if your heart's really for something, then you will, um, you will devote your time to it. And so, yeah, I think, I think prayer is, um, critical. I don't think it's the only thing that we should do, though. Yeah, so prayer is a, a priority. 
Um, I also know that you can still send encouragement and support. Um, and you sh- some, sometimes there are methods to send them um, like snail mail, like words of encouragement, um, sending them by post to a P.O. box um, that the mission's part of and they can still get it to them in jail, people that are prisoned up. Yeah, this is this is one area where it's definitely better to to refer to experts, isn't mm-hmm. it? We yeah. just have to find the right experts. Yeah, um, we'll put a link in the show notes um, to a couple of a couple of organisations that we've been talking about mm. in our Sunday services uh, who who might be helpful for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. From my point of view, um, the thing that's on my heart and the thing that that the situation that I'm imagining as we talk about um, these issues of justice is on refugees and like the the way that we were told this story, I don't know how many years ago, however long, um, since like the Arab Spring, right? Like um, since all the, all the unrest in the Middle East, um, but specifically like in Syria, and we were told of all these people being displaced um, from their homes. We told of these like um, refugee camps with millions of people in. Um, and then we hear about stories of refugees trying to make it across Europe. Um, and the, the only kind of official response has kind of been, oh, yeah, well, you know, these people can find their home somewhere else. Like they can, they'll be fine. They just like Greece was the first country in Europe that they entered, they should stay there. And it it just, like, I don't understand why we can be treating other human beings with such, um, as just numbers, right? Like, as as a burden. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast probably a year ago, and um, they were, it's an American podcast, but they were having people call in, uh, and they were recording their show uh, kind of live as people were calling in. and. Um, there was this this guy called in, he was uh, 17 or 18, and he had missed the whole of high school uh, because he'd been in a refugee camp. And he was asking them for advice on, he was saying, oh, I've, I've been studying by myself and I've entered myself into uh, into this, uh, this American qualification so that I can um, have something to apply to colleges mm. with. Uh, can you help me with, with my college application? Mm. And just listening to the story and, and kind of thinking that's a, there's a whole generation of, yep. of people, of kids who have, who have like spent years living in tents. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not their fault. Like there's nothing that... Displaced, yeah, because they're yeah. so displaced, yeah. Right, and we talk about privilege and it's like we're privileged to, to have four walls around us and to yep. have a shop that we can go to to buy food. Yeah. Because these people, like they, they literally are not allowed to work. They're not allowed to have access to education. Um, some of my uh, education colleagues were telling me about uh, there's there isn't an official way to have teachers um, in like in an official capacity there to help the kids. Mm. Um, it's all it's all volunteer based, and so that's really on my heart. Um, how do we help refugees that are in the UK? How do we help refugees that are not in the UK, um, but it's one where I really just feel overwhelmed by the problem and also so removed from it. Mm. And it's not that I don't feel compassion, but that they just don't 
know the avenues to get into it, you know. Um, so there are some organizations that I'm aware of uh, that we'll also share in the show notes. Um, but this this is really also me kind of, um, I guess, committing to trying to do more, to try and do some more research about it. So apologies if this uh, sounds like a, a really sermony ending. But I sent you this article by um, Andrew Wilson. He's a, a theologian. Okay, what did it say? I didn't did read you read it. it? You didn't read it. Didn't have time, did- Ben. Okay, it's literally, um, <laughs> it fits on my screen. I don't have to scroll to read it. Uh, so you definitely did have time. Uh, oh. But anyway. I didn't even click it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's how busy I've been, Ben. Volunteering for other things. <laughs> anyway, so he asks these questions. He's talking about um, Black Lives Matter. Uh, and the, the title of the post is Pastoring versus Posturing. Uh, and he, he gives these like four questions that, that might help us as Christians know if we're actually doing something that is um, helpful to address injustice or if we're just doing something uh, to make us look, look good. So the first question is, am I prepared to do what costs me something as well as what costs me nothing? So it's all very well that we change our profile pictures to black squares and we uh, post links to here's a load of resources that, that, you, can, um, that you can help out with. but can you, are you actually going to do something um, that's going to cost you time or money or, um, or reputation? So I think that's, that's, really, that's really a good way to think about it. Am I prepared to do something that's going to cost me something or am I just going to go, oh, this is a fun little social media bandwagon to jump on? I think you need to remember, right, and someone shared it on their social media, there's no point sharing and reposting all these things on your stories or your so- social media. The conversations that you should be having should be like offline with people that can make a difference. You're just sharing to the same people over and over again. Yeah, I don't think it's n- not helpful because uh, it at least... Yeah, like, okay, you can it. generate some awareness, but it just stays that's within... All you do. It's, yeah. yeah, that there's no point. You need to go further. You need to go beyond. Mm. I mean, in this particular case, I think it's it's great because it probably caused uh, the the people that are more racist to maybe, hopefully, be see like this flood of like, oh, everybody else in the world thinks this is not okay. Um, but yeah, it's there's also action that needs to that needs to take place that's that you're willing to um yeah risk something for so the second point what would you say if the people who applauded you and the people who despised me for my um for my views were swapped places so so what if you're the only voice in your group of friends speaking out against racism you want your friends to support you but um but they're all racist for example then there's no point being friends with them then right or what if you're the only person talking about homelessness or refugees or whatever it is? You want, you want people to support you. You want your family to support you. Um, but what if it's not them? And what if it's, if it's the people that, that you think are your enemies? Uh, the third point, do I speak about justice issues that are less socially encouraged? Are you only talking about Black Lives Matter now because everybody else is saying it's okay? Are you going to talk about something that's more contentious and the last point are you saying this uh because you have 
are you, are, yeah, are you speaking out about this because you have faith and because you want God to take action, or are you doing it because uh, it's going to make you look good or look like this is the right thing to do? Like this week, maybe we've we felt, oh, should I post something? Everybody else is posting like a a really long thing about Black Lives Matter. Should I also do that? And there's an element of like, am I doing that because I want people to change, or am I doing that because everybody else is doing it? And I don't want to yeah. be judged for not. It's really interesting, right? Because I've, <laughs> I don't mean to judge, but you can kind of tell who's the genuine people and who's like just following the bandwagon as well. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like. But I would like to hope that after this instance, um, after this incident, you know, people will have changed and not just jumping on the bandwagon that they will actually speak up for injustices. Because it I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope. That was my prayer. Even though it's wrong of me to judge them and be like, yeah, that person's totally jumping on the bandwagon right now. Hmm. All right. Do you have any closing comments? <sighs> I'm reminded that we need to continue to pray um, for the salvation of everyone, really, because it is only God who can change lives, only God that can save, change, and transform. And so we only know that all these things happen because we do live in a corrupt society, a corrupt world. Um, it's interesting because yesterday I was looking at an old photo and that prompted me to do some research about Lady Justice, the um, statue that stands outside of um, all the law courts. Um, wherever there's a law court, there should be a statue right, of some scales, sort. Right. Yep. She's holding scales. She's standing on top of a snake and she is, um, you know, blindfolded because the justice system should always be, um, you should not be discriminating. Yep. Justice should be blind. You should not be judging someone based on their skin color or their background or, you know, their, them being rich or poor. Um, on top of that, um, the scales. Oh, she's also holding a sword because the sword represents a power. It's a double edged sword. And um, but justice should come before power as opposed to power before justice. You shouldn't shoot first and ask questions. You should always ask questions first. Um, and then um, the balance, yeah, the scales are because you need to hear both sides of the stories. Um, there should not be any impartiality, um, favoritism. And, stand, and she's standing on top of a snake because um, the snake represents um, evil. And fundamentally, um, she stands for just good. Um, but what's interesting is, is that Lady Justice came from um, Greek mythology. And I'm reminded that actually, fundamentally, God is the ultimate judge. Um, though our justice system might be flawed, um, you know, and and jury jury members, I've I've sat on a jury panel before, and it is quite an interesting thing. But um, but if you know, all twelve jury members have prejudices against you know that person being trialed, um, or knowing that you know this is a high profile case. Um, you're going to have prejudices and biases, biases. But I know that fundamentally God is the one who has the final say. And we ourselves were responsible for our own relationship with God. And I know that as Christians, we are responsible 
to continue spreading that good news to everyone around us. And so I know for a fact that, yeah, lives need to be saved. And um, because I know that, you know, God is going to judge them. God is going to judge my judge my parents. Um, and am I going to be I, like, I know for a fact that I should be compelled to share Christ's love with them before it's too late. But yeah, God is the ultimate judge. And but yet he is still merciful and he is good. So, yeah, that's where I'll end it there. Yeah, thanks, Ansi, for for summarizing that. Um, I think it's a challenge for all of us to to actually be more active. Um, and I know that we're all trapped in our houses at the minute, and we we feel like we've we've got nowhere to go. But actually, now's a good time to to do some research, to to look into things, whether it's giving money or whether it's getting involved actively. It just feels like, you know, like we are God's hands and feet. We are, as a church, we've been talking about this kingdom vision and what God's kingdom means uh, to be on earth. Um, and it feels like we can all be doing more, um, starting with myself, but all of us. So I guess that's my prayer for, for, um, for us as a church, as a, as a community of Christians, that we would be um, his hands and feet and he would give us the courage and the, the prompting to to go and address these issues it would be really cool if we had if we could have conversations about this as well if you want to um let us know something that you're involved in uh that you want to let other people know about we can um we can put that out on our podcast um if you want to have a conversation with us about something that um that you care about uh, then please do that get in touch with us Thanks so much for being part of our episode seven. We'd love to have more feedback and um, other extra questions and things for future episodes. Yep, send us feedback uh, to abside at the bcec.org.uk or on social media to either of us or on WhatsApp. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>